Welcome to the Interesting Football Podcast. In this week's episode, we will critically evaluate Burnley Football Club's claim on being the most interesting club in English football. My name's Laurie Knox, and I'm joined by former Ponte de Leno tourist, Simon Day. Mr Day, how are you, and what are your first thoughts when somebody says Burnley? Uh, hello. Uh, when somebody says Burnley, my first thoughts are concerning a game I didn't go to that is probably the game I most regret missing. Why is that? And I've I've missed playoff semi-finals that Gillingham have won. I've missed plenty of big games. Burnley versus Gillingham, 1998 to 1999. In my first year at uni, I didn't go to the game. The game finished Burnley nil, Gillingham 5. And all five Gillingham goals were scored by Robert Taylor. I remember that. It was just such a sort of, it, it's the sort of thing that would happen in like the 1930s, isn't it? Sort of someone going <laughs> scoring five goals in an away match. Um, but in modern football, you don't, it just doesn't happen, does it? You Wasn't occasionally that... get it in a home game, but in an away game. And it, it just sounded like the best sort of mad party atmosphere, day out, away trip, day out. And I was just, I was sat in my um, halls of residence playing championship manager. If I, if I remember correctly, didn't Burnley refuse to give him the ball at first? Like they were, they were being really stingy. They because you know usually the home team lets lets you keep the match ball, but at first they wouldn't let them. I think Gillingham really had to persuade them harder. Am I right there? That doesn't ring a bell, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> oh, that the whole match. What is the match ball? How many balls get used during a game of football? True, true. I mean, back in 98, 99, I'm get, uh, yeah, Premier League nowadays, right? There, there's definitely not a match ball. But uh, third tier of English football, 98, 99, yeah, there's probably a couple there, right? But uh, Well, well, all of these goals were in like the first 50 minutes. So there was another 40 minutes to play, for, um, during which time, given the Gillingham team of the day, I'm pretty sure there'd be a few clearances out the stadium. <laughs> so it probably, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been the same ball. So. Is that- is that the Guy so, Butters era? It would been Guy Butters, A.D. Pennock and Barry Ashby at the back. Very nice, very nice. Very cultured. Yeah, talking about uh, games that you kind of wish you'd gone to see, I remember I was, how old was I? 13 years old, and my mum promised that she would uh, drive th- me and two of my friends up to Hillsborough to watch a game. And, you know, here's something I used to do, which is really weird when I was uh, younger. I would never try to get tickets for the, the Manchester United games or that. Because my, my stupid childlike thinking was that if uh, you know the, the game's going to be full, it's going to be full capacity for the Manchester United game. Mm. So there's no point. So what I do is like, I, if I go to watch them play someone like Swindon, we increase the attendance by three. That wouldn't be like that. So that's generally genuinely was my thinking. So anyway, all the times I went to Hillsborough, it was always against really like, low level teams. But anyway, so I had a I had a choice of two games. I had a Swindon. Or West Ham, so I went for Swindon. 3-3, great game. And under normal circumstances, I wouldn't regret that. But the game against West Ham is also another 5-0. Um, and it's uh, it's known by Wednesday fans as the Waddle game. And it's kind of regarded as the greatest ever individual performance by a Wednesday player. So, and you know, that, that one, st- like if you say to any Wednesday fan, the Waddle game, they'll immediately know what you're talking about. And it's kind of you know, gone to in, into Wednesday folklore. And I missed it to watch a, a three-all draw against bottom of the league, Swindon. But there we go. That, that would have been, because they were only in the Premier League for one year. So that would have been the year where Swindon were like abysmal, weren't they? They like yes. conceded over 100 goals. <laughs> and we just 
just like one of the worst Premier League teams ever. Well, they scored um, at least three. I know that. They scored at least three. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I'm guessing Craig Maskell would have got one. Um, oh, oh, I can't even remember the Wednesday scores. Andy Sinton, I'm sure Andy Skinner Sinton got on the score sheet. But other than that, uh, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. England, but, uh, you're but... two star Andy Whittington. Mm-hmm. That's for Burnley. Thoughts on Burnley? You know, I've, n- I've never been to Burnley. I mean, I, th- I think the first thing I think about is the kit. It's obviously quite a distinctive kit. Um, and also Wednesday, I've had a couple of crazy games there. I think we, we won at Turf Moor, was it 7-3 or 7-4? Um, about 10, 15 years ago. So, uh, yeah, there have been a couple of high-scoring games at Turf Moor. So that's, I, I've that's been twice I to Burnley. Um, and both times we lost quite comfortably and it was rubbish. So <laughs> it's not somewhere I've got fond memories of. You were trying to chase that Robert Taylor highway. Yeah, and I missed, annoyingly, the year after when we got promoted, we ended up playing Burnley midweek towards the end of the season in a really big game. And I couldn't go because I was I was a poor student and it was a midweek game anyway. And we won three nil then. And I went the next two seasons or to the next three or whatever. And we yeah we just got trounced. Oh well, oh, so well. I've not got fond memories of Burnley. So well, let's see whether I've got quite high, high hopes though for Burnley being one of the most interesting clubs in the world or English football because I mean they've obviously got quite a big history. So Simon Day, why don't you hit us with the first fact? Well, the first, the first fact is covers the whole world because Burnley are or were founder members of the International Soccer League. The what? Which does beg a question, admittedly. The International <laughs> Soccer League was invented in 1960 by a US businessman called William Cox. Um, and he wanted to create a club version or something similar. So just to, to clarify, that, that was Willie Cox, was it? Willie Cox, or Bill Cox to his mates. Yeah, Coxie. Fair enough, fair um, enough. He, Will Cox. Willie Cox, yes, very good. Um, he, he wanted to create something similar to the FIFA World Cup. Um, so he decided to come up with this, the International Soccer League and invited the best teams from around the world, sort of. Um, now, at the time, as luck would have it, Burnley had just won the Football League. So Burnley were, de facto, the best team in England. Um, so they got invited, along with Bayern Munich, some, some big names here, Bayern Munich, Sampdoria, Sporting Lisbon, um, Red Star Belgrade, Sporting Lisbon, I said already, haven't I? Um, Rapid Vienna. The final was played between a Brazilian side called Bangu, <laughs> who are currently in the fourth division of Brazilian football. And according to their Wikipedia page, this was their biggest ever achievement. And in the final, they won 2-0 against Kilmarnock. Come on, look, wow, wow. Um, okay. Now, the problem with the International Soccer League is that when do you play it? So how, how do, I mean, was it like the World Club Cup? Was it just like a, you know, two, two-week tournament? How did it work? It was two groups of six and the top, the winners of each group went through to the final. Okay. And unfortunately for Burnley, they finished second to Kilmarnock in their group. So this was basically the uh, this was basically the precursor to the World Club Cup, kind of. I mean, this is kind of like... yeah. It ran for five or six years. Um, the only English winners were West Ham in nineteen sixty three, um, during which Bobby Moore was named Player of the Tournament. Well done, how, Bobby. How we never heard of this tournament? I'm pretty shocked. That, uh, well, because this... it only lasted five years, and then still, it, it was uh... not even on the radar. You'd think a, a bit of a football geek like me, you'd have thought I'd have heard of it. But no, the no. International Soccer League. 
Well, I, I, I don't think it got much traction because I think for a lot of the European sides, because it was played in August, it was kind of just treated as a pre-season tournament. Mm, right. I, I think it's rather than being an early precursor of the Club World Cup, it was probably an early precursor of stuff like the Premier League trophy that they play in like, <laughs> you know, they play this, this sort of this little tournament in China or whatever in August, don't they, where it's four or five Premier League yeah. clubs play. Or these strange competitions they have in America, don't they, where it's like Man City are playing AC Milan for the international trophy or something like that. Okay. I, I think it's more an early precursor of that. But at the time, it was meant to be the next big thing. And clearly, given it sort of a highfalutin name, like the International Soccer League, they had big hopes for it. Um, but I, despite I just the... Up Willie Cox... And apparently yeah. he was the owner of the uh, uh, U.S. baseball team, Philadelphia Phillies. So he's obviously somebody who saw kind of like, uh, I don't know, probably had an idea from one sport, kind of wanted to take a similar kind of build-up. Because uh, like you say, it's split into two sections, right? Yes. You know, I'm thinking kind of like, uh, um, what was it, AFL, a- NFC, AFL? Mm-hmm. Is that, are they the two sections? Yeah, that kind of, that's yeah. Kind of very American-esque. But um, yeah, it didn't quite work, did it? It didn't quite How work. A few American um, businessmen tinkering with things. There's a cricket guy as well, wasn't there, who tried, who came in. Oh, God. Um, yeah, what was his name? Alan Stanford. Oh, Is yes, he, that rings a bell. Yeah. It was It was the million-dollar match, wasn't it? Oh, was that what uh, it they, was? They, England, West England Indies, played or? like the Stanford 11 for a million dollars in a 2020 wow. game in about, probably about 10, 15 years ago. And I'm pretty sure the oh, West so Indies, think- well, Alan Stanford's team won by 10 wickets and it was like a real non-event of a game. And then two months later, he was in prison, so do you wasn't think he? Stanford helped kind of nudge 2020 along? No. No. no I, I think, enough, I think if, he hadn't, if he hadn't come along, would 2020 be bigger, smaller or about the same? I'd say about the same. Fair enough, fair enough. It, it was just a fairly farcical side venture um, <laughs> by a criminal. Um, right. Talking well, to really side... Cox a criminal? Not to my knowledge, no. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, we'll let him go. We'll let him go. Yeah. Um, so, to their credit, Kilmarnock played in four iterations of the International Soccer League. They, they were, like, right behind this, but they couldn't seem to pick up much interest from other countries. Right, uh, but England sent along teams. England sent along West Ham, West Brom. I think Everton played one year. Blackburn okay. played one year. Yeah, we gave it a bash, but it didn't really pick up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Were Kamala winning the league at the time? I'm not sure. I'm not. Did, did they ever? Uh, win the no, they were. Run, no. They got invited because they were runners up in the Scottish League. Fair so enough. whoever won the Scottish League that year, I'm going to take a punt and say Celtic or Rangers um, <laughs> didn't come along. Right. Oh, well. Oh, well. Okay. Well, that's a good fact. I like that one. I'm, I'm amazed that I didn't know this tournament existed. So uh, that's some good knowledge. I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about Burnley right now. They were in the International Soccer League. Okay. And um, I'll be honest, that, that's my weakest fact, I think. Ooh, oh, this is promising. This is promising. It's promising, yeah. Well, uh, let's, see, um, let's see how you do with the one-minute quiz. So this week, uh, I think you already mentioned Burnley won the league on two occasions. Uh, yes. 1921 and 1960. I was pretty surprised to hear that they uh, they won it as late as 1960. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I think of Bernie as being like a you know big in the 20s and 30s, but uh, there we go. And so 1921 to 
1960. So there were 31 seasons between uh, those seasons when Burnley won the league. Because obviously mm. war seasons there. And in those 31 seasons, 13 teams were champions of England. Okay. So Simon Day, I'm going to set par at a, a pretty sturdy 10 for this one. 10? 10, yeah. Really uh, <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see how you go. But you've got a par of 10. You've got one minute to name all the champions of England between 1922 and 1959. Your time starts now. Liverpool. Yes. Everton. Yes. Arsenal. Yes. Manu. Yes. I don't know where it's come into my head. Did West Brom win the league? No. I just made that up, didn't I? Um, oh, God almighty. Uh, Portsmouth. Yes. Huddersfield. Yes. Newcastle. Yes. Halfway, seven down. Tottenham. Yes. Chelsea. Yes. How many is that? One, two, three, four, one. You're on nine. I'm nine. Now. I'm on nine. Man City. Yes. Oh, you're on ten. Uh, who was good back there? Aston Villa. No. Oh, that's your first wrong guess. I'm impressed. Oh, I, was doing, well, I, was pre- I was impressed myself. Then Leicester. No. Three seconds. Uh, uh, Birmingham City. Oh, no. on the bus. No, sadly not. Oh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got ten. You missed out on Sheffield Wednesday slash the Wednesday. You missed out on Sunderland and you missed out on Wolves. So there oh, we go. Wolves I should have got. Wolves I should have got. The other two were difficult. Sheffield Wednesday mm. and Sunderland. I'll uh, be honest. Huddersfield. Huddersfield. I just remember Huddersfield won loads in the 20s. Yeah, I got four in a row, I think it was. Yeah, I, I can remember them being. Well, but, I can't remember them being <laughs> in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that they were really good in the 20s. So, Simon Day, that's uh, your first par. That's your first par. So, we're five de- five quizzes down. You've won two. You've lost two. And there's our first draw. So, there we go. Well done. I'm, I'm like I'm like um, Everton, aren't I? Just <laughs> firmly just there, just every there. year. Right. So, I'm pumped for the second fact because you, you promised me this is going to be a good one. Okay. Burnley is the smallest town or city to have won the English First Division. Oh, that's a good one. And just to well, clarify, English, to- English top flight. The, uh, yes. Now the youngsters watching. Yes. The English, yes. The English okay. top flight. Um, yes, they're the smallest town or city. The only caveat to this is obviously all of the London clubs are bracketed as London clubs. So, obviously, right. you could say, I know they haven't won the league, but, for example, Brentford has a population of just a couple of thousand, but actually they'd be bracketed as a London club. But in terms of right. an actual sort of town or city, Burnley's the smallest place. Um, do you want to have a guess at the population of Burnley? You know what? I'm pretty sure I looked this up, so it'd be a bit of a cheating guess, but uh, is it something around 70,000? No, no, it's about 88,000. 88,000, um, okay. Which means, and I think this is quite impressive, based on their average attendance and even taking into account away fans, still roughly about 20% of the population of Burnley pitch up at Burnley matches. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, now, obviously they don't all live in Burnley, so it's a bit of a false fact. But yeah, um, so and they're currently the smallest club in the Premier League in terms of population. Um, so 
Who do you think the second smallest in the Premier second League? Second smallest oh in the Premier League now, population wise. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm trying to think who's down there. I mean, the, 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 like I say, Brentford doesn't count. Would it be Norwich? Norwich probably would be my guess, but it's actually Watford. Okay, okay, right. Fair enough. Okay. Um, and for a big bonus point here, what is the smallest location in England to have a football league club at the moment? Oh, it was always Earthlingborough, wasn't it? Rushton and Dyson. It Dines. was Earthlingborough. It's a similar sort of answer to Earthlingborough, actually. But, um, go on, hit me with this. No idea. Na- Nailsworth in Gloucestershire. Oh, is that for Cheltenham? No, Cheltenham, Cheltenham playing Cheltenham. Cheltenham playing Cheltenham, do that. Okay. No, yes. Who plays in uh, Nailsworth? Forest, Forest Green Rovers. Ah, okay, okay. Oh, um, fair enough, fair enough. And, and the final... Um, Stupid question <laughs> is oh I've lost it now actually um oh yeah it was going to be <laughs> what two years did Burnley win the football league but you've told me oh you? I'm sorry I'm sorry you've, ru- you've ruined my mini um, quiz challenge but yeah so it's quite impressive but when you think about it that is a very small place to have won the football league isn't it yeah I'm actually quite shocked that eighty eight thousand okay probably smaller back in the day but eighty eight thousand is the smallest like so you know you do you do need to be from big city basically. Otherwise, you, you've got no chance. Uh, and no, it's strange, the... isn't it? Because, um, yeah, you just thought there'd be some random year. In the same way that Leicester won it four years ago, why couldn't there have been a random year when, Luton. I don't know, oh. Gillingham won the football league? You know what I mean? <laughs> just some random small town won the football league, especially in the early days. what you said about the uh, percentage of the population. That kind of reminds you of Glasgow, because Glasgow's got, what, something like uh, five, 600,000 people. And you've got obviously Rangers and Celtic got about 110,000 season ticket holders between them. Again, um, again, taking into account people from outside the city, not taking into account things like that. Still, like 20% of the population basically has a season ticket to watch one of those clubs, which is pretty cool. Which yeah. is mental. <laughs> indeed. Which is indeed. mental. Although I do sort of think um, it's a bit like when there's an away trip, like Carlisle are playing Plymouth. And it'd be like, oh, the Carlisle fans have made an 800-mile round trip or whatever. You know, well, I don't think they live at the ground, do they? I, I think <laughs> sort of... I mean, if and if they get the coach, they've made a longer trip because they've had to get to the ground to get the coach. They've made a longer than an 800-mile round trip. But equally, they might live in Exeter and they've just gone a few miles. So it's a load of nonsense, really. But <laughs> I have just thought, I have just thought of two more geography-based little quiz teasers along the Burnley smallest town lines. What is the biggest city in England never to have had a Premier League side? Oh, um, I was going to say Milton Keynes, but no, it's going to be... Bigger than Milton Keynes. Bigger than Milton Keynes. Um, Oh. One One of the top 10 biggest cities in the country. Oh, I was going to say, is it in Yorkshire? No. Okay, go on then. Bristol. They've never been in the Premier League, was that? Premier League, yeah. Football, okay, okay. Football, football didn't start until 1992, did it? <laughs> that threw uh, me, but, okay. And what's the biggest city never to have had a football league club? Um, I was going to go for Wakefield, was that one? That is correct. That is correct, right. Okay. That's very good. Nice, very nice. Good. Okay, well, that takes us... Uh, fact two is a good one as well. I think I fancy Burnley's chances here. Bizarre fan. Well, you know what? Burnley got quite a few fans... Um, I know, the fact that Alistair Campbell supports them, uh, I thought was mm. quite bizarre. But after, um, after last week, I thought there was only one fan we could really go for here. 
and that was um, John Ketley is a Burnley fan. And not only he's in the he, song, isn't he? he? He's in the song with Michael Fish. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's kind of accidentally joined on nicely. Um, yeah, John Kelly. Apparently he used to regularly mention the Burnley score in the weather forecast. It'd be like, oh, it's sunny in uh, Lancashire tonight. Uh, especially sunny at Turf Moor where Burnley won 2-0. He'd, uh, he'd uh, quite often put that into his... Uh... But uh, going through some of the Burnley um, chat, chat rooms, it seems like he, he's kind of like gone down a bit in their estimation when in about 2005 he was being interviewed and he said he thought Burnley had probably never scored away at Arsenal which bearing in mind Burnley have obviously won the league a couple of times like a really really stupid thing to say and he then when asked what he wanted the score to be he said I quite like Arsene Wenger so I hope it's 2-0 to Arsenal which is quite weird considering he obviously spent, he built up all that goodwill over decades of being on the news and mentioning Burnley. And then just what, you know, I know maybe he was joking, maybe things are taken out of context. I don't know. But, you know, like just, just that one interview has basically kind of ruined him in Burnley fans' eyes. I'm not convinced he's a proper Burnley fan, to be honest. I mean, he, he, he talked the talk for many years. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he did have that sort of. Clearly, he know he never made a faux pas of the um, Michael Fish scale, as we discussed last week. <laughs> uh, but he did have he did have a very good weatherman look, didn't he, Ketley? I think I think Ketley, like if all the weathermen had a fight, I think Ketley would win. I'm going to throw that one out there. He's, he's a bit of a man's man, I think. Do you reckon? Uh, you look at Ketley, and uh, yeah, I mean, well, compared to Michael Fish, no disrespect to Michael Fish. Well, I'm, I'm McCaskill. I'm McCaskill, but I mean, I mean I'm know. now struggling to Bill Giles. Bit of How a man. was Bill Giles? Bill Giles, was he the bully? I'm sure there was some. No, no, seriously, I'm sure there was some scandal that Bill Giles was like bullying other weathermen. <laughs> I thought that I'm should sure. be funny, but it is. Uh, yeah, in, 1990, in 1999, uh, the Guardian headline was um, it, Clouds Clear for Bill Giles as Bullying Charges Are Quashed. Oh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've just looked up uh, John Ketley on Google Images and I'd like to retract the, my former statement about him being a man's man. Yeah, um, <laughs> comment. I, An- I, another um, <laughs> another news story about Bill Giles' um, bullying was... The headline was, I was the victim of Bill Giles' cold front. Oh, I like that. That's a decent headline. And from the Independent, here is the weather report, Giles guilty of bullying. (laughs) Nice, (laughs) nice. (laughs) Oh, with a little appeal coming later. Uh, Nice. Ketley, (laughs) I I, I think Ketley would take Giles. I think they have a royal rumble. Um, My money's still on Ketley. I don't know, Giles. Well, yeah, but Giles has got form, hasn't he now? Yeah, yeah I mean, I suppose. Uh, referred to by the um, Oxford Mail as Bully Boy Bill. Lashes BBC egos. Yeah, but bullies um, are usually quite big cowards, aren't they? So I think, you know, I think if Ketley well, just landed a, landed a quick jab in the face, Giles would be crying off into his, uh, into his weather reports. And yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm still going with Ketley on this one. What do, you, what do you think? I just wonder how sort of how what do you think the bullying manifested in sort of in the weather reports? He'd like change the screen <laughs> at the wrong time when they're trying to do their weather forecast, or like piss around with a map or something. 
Yeah, or maybe who who are Burnley's big rivals? Blackburn. So maybe Bill Giles would always say, "Oh, the weather over the Blackburn." Always ignore Burnley. Little little kind of like snide bits of uh, uh, little snide one overs like that without. So there we go. Our bizarre fan. I mean, uh, Burnley. Uh, a few. You know, there, there are quite a lot of people like Edward Heath who had basically visited Burnley once. So quite a few people like that cropping up, uh, but. Um, I, f- I forgot his name now. The weatherman Ketley. He, uh, he he actually had some form over many years. And given that Michael Fish was it last week, I thought we have to go here. So there we go. Our bizarre fan this week is John Ketley, Mr. Davis. Let, let's hope number three. Let's hope Suzanne Charlton is a fan of Chelsea. Oh, carry on the feet. <laughs> um, fact number three is Burnley goalkeeper Happy Jack Hillman in in nineteen. 19- Sorry, in 1899, became the first player ever to be found guilty of match fixing. Ooh, 1899. 1899 to 90. Sorry, to 1900. Um, he was found guilty of match fixing. Uh, what happened was, in the last game of the season, Burnley needed to win to stay up. He offered, they were playing Notts Forest, he offered Notts Forest players £2 per head to, <laughs> inverted commas, Take it easy. Um, two pound per head, based on the RPI, two pound per head equates to about 150 quid in new money. Nice. Um, unfortunately, they didn't take him up on the offer and Forrest were 2 0 up at half time, at which point Happy Jack Hillman um, went into the Forest changing room and upped his offer to a fiver per head. <laughs> Forest won four nil. Burnley were relegated, and Happy Jack Hillman was banned for a year. Uh, were, was it a straight shootout between Forest and Burnley? Was that the uh... no? For, Forest had nothing to play for. They, Burnley basically one, had to it? better another side's results. Um, okay, but they lost four nil and got relegated. But uh, um, Happy Jack Hillman. What do you think about match fit? Yeah. What do I think about match fixing? <laughs> In uh, nowadays, do you think it's an, an issue? Because I, I, you often hear stories about that. Um, or in our lifetime, do you think match fixing's been a been a big thing? Uh, not not so much match fixing. I think spot fixing probably right. more so because that's, that's a lot easier was, to do. The throw-ins and yeah, you, yeah, you can bet on like what side will get the first throw-in in a game, couldn't you? And like. The TV just booted straight out of play, um, which that, that happened for quite a few years in the mid nineties. I remember Sky Sports with you know Andy Gray talking about this was a great new tactic, you know, like puts the defence under pressure, and then it just came out that no, no, they were just both teams <laughs> would get together before the match and say, look, whoever gets a kickoff, boot it out straight away. We'll all bet a couple of grand on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's the thing is now with like live betting. I mean, football's probably a bit harder than some sports. But with live betting, in play betting, sorry, sports like cricket and tennis are just so open to it, aren't they? It's like you can you can bet on the outcome of the next ball in cricket. So if you're the bowler, you could just hold down a wide, couldn't you? Now, I'm not saying that happens yes. because obviously they're vigorous and it's all sort of, they have to go through vigorous training, blah, 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 and it's all above board and it's not an issue. But it would be so easy to fix, wouldn't it? Yeah, one of my brother's good friends, who's quite a big comedian, so I'm not going to mention the name, but I'll tell you off air. He um, he basically did that for a while. His friend used to go to tennis matches, and they would just have a live link. And because you know it's quite obvious in tennis, 
you know, you can probably tell just before, you know, if you're at one side of the court and I've just got an easy tap onto the court before the point is officially called, you can quite clearly bet, can't you? So if you're watching it live, yes. uh, as you say, it, it, it was very, very easy. And this guy, yeah, he made a lot of money <laughs> doing that. Uh, there we go. There we go. If it's legal, it's legal. Just like it wasn't Paul Chuckle, was it? It was not Paul Chuckle, sadly no. not. No, no, no. I'm out of ideas now. Anyway, um, so <laughs> Happy Jack Hillman, um, he's got, he had a bit of previous on this front. The season before, he was playing at Dundee and Dundee suspended him for not trying. <laughs> oh, OK, OK. That sounds... Ominous. So, I mean, I've, but I did sort of think, but in 1898, did goalkeepers, this sounds really silly, did goalkeepers dive around much? Like, because... That's I, a good question. There's no footage, but I can sort of remember seeing footage of like cricket in the 50s or whatever, and fielding was very lackadaisical. It was like, if it weren't straight at you, like 78% of fielders would just sort of, Stick a stick a foot out to stop it. If that didn't happen, shrug the shoulders and trot after it. There, there was no diving around. But I don't know whether. Yeah, good question. Were nineteenth-century goalkeepers like just when you stick the kind of kid who can't play football in goal and he just stands there? And... Well, or or was it sort of regarded as being poor form and sort of non-Corinthian to dive for the ball? It's a bit sort of ungentlemanly. Bad manners to try and, <laughs> to try and dive. Um, the other interesting fact about Happy Jack Hillman um, is that well, I have no idea why his nickname was Happy, uh, but also he has one England cap. Because he's rich. <laughs> well, I suppose, yeah. Um, his one England cap came in a 13-2 victory over Ireland, which is the record number of goals in an England game ever. Hmm. Now... Given given Happy Jack Hillman's other form, <laughs> I think I think we might have to call into question what happened during this game. But what, yeah, how, what were Ireland's two goals like? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, I've not I've not seen the archive footage of them, but yeah, um, because match fixing's obviously been a pretty big thing in Italy, right? I mean, Juventus obviously got booted out of Serie A. Uh, lots more stories that you get there from there. And, you know, on the continent, there have been a few things. Obviously, Nottingham Forest missed out on a European, a third European Cup final, didn't they? Um, who, who was the team? It was a Belgian team, wasn't it? Um, Dundee United also got conned out of the... Yes. Was that, was that Juventus as well? Or It might have been, it was yeah. An, it was an Italian team. Who, yeah, um, they won 2-0, didn't they, at Tannadice? <laughs> And then, um, yeah. So, but... it's, it's, it's always a shame that these these things take so long to come to light, don't they? That it becomes sort of if not irrelevant, but it's sort of the people who have been screwed over by it. It's too late for them, really, isn't it? It's like it's like when these people get their fourth place finish in the Olympics upgraded to a bronze medal because someone's right. been chucked out for drugs four years later. Okay, I'm sure one. It's lovely that they've won a bronze medal, deservedly so, but it ain't exactly the same as finishing in the top three in the Olympic Stadium, is it, or whatever? No. Just on that note, how it sent you in the post? It's not the same. On that note, if you ever see a Korean man finishing fourth in the Olympics, looking upset, bear in mind it's it's an extra level of devastation. Oh yes, they get they get a military exemption. 
So not only have you just missed out on your childhood dream that you spent your whole life training for, you've also basically just been in prison for two years. So I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing when I say that. But yeah, so, you know, finishing four, yeah. If you win a, any medal at the Olympics, you get an exemption from the military. So if you finish in fourth place, that's just a double kick in the testes. So I bet there's loads of like Korean teenagers just really desperate to get good at a sport, aren't they? And just like trying their hand at <laughs> everything. Yeah, just in fact... Like- one year it was the uh, or, or you can get a gold medal at the Asian Games, and one year, yeah, the football team, I, I, yeah, they just missed out. I think they were runners up in the Asian Games, and just see them sitting there, all of them just absolutely devastated <laughs> as as a group. Just uh, okay, well, guess we'll go in the army then, boys. Uh, that's, that's like the you 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 are. I mean, it's not the same, but he's one step away from being sent to prison for not winning, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, mate. There we go. There yeah, we man. go. But uh, okay, that's a, that's a fantastic fact. Um, so let's just quickly recap the facts. We've got the uh, the betting scandal. We've got the international soccer league, and the other one was the smallest town ever to win the football league. The smallest town to win the football league. Yeah, that, you... that for me is the most interesting fact, just from mm. a purely interesting point of view. <laughs> it's not particularly funny. There's not a lot of chat around it, but in terms of an interesting fact, that's yeah. an interesting fact. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Um, so, uh, obviously, bizarre fan, old Ketley. So, the question I'm... is, we've got Arsenal, okay? So, what do we do, Arsenal? Obviously, bizarre fan. We've already said that. that that's gone. Uh, Arsenal have won that one. But in terms of facts, what have Arsenal had? They've had... Um... Their first team broadcast on the TV, the radio, and 3D. Yeah. Huey Lewis and the News was the um, catalyst for Thierry Henry joining Arsenal. Mm. And the first so what fact... are we thinking? Burnley or Arsenal? Right, I'm going to be on. I, I feel like I'm going over old ground a bit here, but John Ketley is the weakest celebrity fan so far. <laughs> yeah. And to enough. me, I think based on the three facts, I'd probably edge towards Burnley. But, and, and all Burnley need for me, all Burnley needed was a Gaffney. If Burnley had a Gaffney, Gaffney. Yeah, if Burnley had a Gaffney like Brentford, that would have put them above Arsenal. But mm. I. I do you know what I mean? I feel like Ketley doesn't do it for yeah. me. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I think they've got the best facts, but I think okay, they weren't going to beat Osama bin Laden, but as long as they could, you know, as long as they could, that's what I mean. They just needed they could, a Gaffney. Yeah, get that get was a draw against Gaffney. Yeah, okay. So Arsenal, Arsenal still in first place there. I think uh, so. Um, but next week, next week we've got Chelsea, right? I think if the alphabet's right, right yeah. Next. I'm pretty sure. Um, so, this, so yeah, see, um, there's, there's Chelsea, Crystal Palace in the Premier League, aren't there? So, is right. there another team we need to see? I don't think Carlisle are in the Premier League, are they? No, Carlisle, Cardiff City so, certainly yeah. aren't at the moment. But um, clearly, we're really up Chelsea, to see the Premier League, aren't we? But yeah, I think Chelsea definitely <laughs> in it. Now, the thing is with Chelsea, I think there's going to be a lot more story because you know, obviously, Chelsea's from well, the heyday has been in the over the last 20 years, right? And this is when we're going to get, you know, social media, uh, with the internet, etc. We're going to get a lot of stories coming out of Chelsea over the last 20 years. I think, you know, Huey Lewis and the news type thing, you know, like some pretty random things. Like, so, I, I, you know, what? I think Chelsea are going to give Arsenal a good fight next week. Yeah, I'm not so sure, to be honest. I don't know whether these facts are... I think you're right. There'll be a lot about Chelsea, but will it be interesting? Yeah, I mean, John Terry's got up to some some misdemeanors <laughs> in his time, hasn't he? It could just be three interesting <laughs> facts about John Terry. 
couldn't it? Um, yeah, that might be it. We'll have to put an 18 plus warning on that one, probably. Yeah, okay. Anyway, right. So, Simon Day, thank you very much. And everybody else, uh, please join us next week for the interesting football podcast about Chelsea. Bye bye, everyone. <laughs>